0: God, I didn't think about that. I was ready to rave (laughs) on this place. And the sign did say, Support Texas Barbecue. That's the first thing I saw when I walked through the door. Um, No, man, Amarillo, I passed through it um, countless times. Never really, like, rolled around town. We're in the downtown area by the, I think it's the Hodgetown Ballpark where the double-A team plays. It's pretty cool down here, man. We're in this giant convention center. With all these different rooms, I'm sure you can hear these uh, water fountains going on in the same room as me. I, I got to say, I am uh, very pleasantly surprised with the greater Amarillo area in what I've seen today. How very nice. That?
1: Very I, nice. I guess I don't, I don't know. I didn't know Amarillo even had a downtown. Um, oh, yeah. Ballpark and everything. Huh. Okay. That's cool. That's yeah. different. It makes sense now that you say it, but uh, for whatever reason, all I picture when I think of Amarillo is the I-40 corridor and uh, <laughs> the restaurants and strip malls that are lining it as you go through that part of town. But
0: Oh, there is way more than meets the eye here, Teddy. You're going nice. to have to take a family trip out here sometime. No, nah, dude, I had a, uh, had a good lunch today. I was looking for a restaurant recommendation. Old Kurt Keeley hooked it up today. He said, "Go to Tyler's Barbecue." Which Tyler's Barbecue? Where? You, where can you go wrong with that? Of right. course, the place is going to be great. So I rolled in. It's your, you know, your your average barbecue joint. And as we always say, a barbecue place is only as good as the ribs. I got kind of like the rib dinner, three rib dinner with a side of uh, jalapeno cream corn, buddy. I'm uh, I'm in good shape right now, feeling really good about my decision. I like that. The jalap yeah jalapeno cream corn is the side. I'm not saying that's my normal go-to, but I've never seen that before, so I thought that that was a, I thought that was a must. But yeah, not bad, man. Now, Good start.
1: It interesting conversation I heard coming from you and Parker Thune, uh, the Jordan Addison kid, the pit wide receiver who's entered the transfer portal, is down taking a visit at Texas, and I think right now, yeah. And you think it's smoke and mirrors? Why do you think that?
0: Just, it's the exact playbook of Caleb Williams. Have we not talked about that? Did Caleb go to Madison, Wisconsin to take a visit? Um, did he end up going to visits to other places? I, and I know that there's some differences between the two, I guess. But, dude, he was in California, like, a couple of days after he entered into the portal. Like, it, it's it's USC. I think this Texas thing is a smokescreen of, hey, go take a couple visits let it calm down a little bit. Yes, we tampered with you in the portal. So just go take a visit, take some time, and then we'll announce you're coming to SC. I think it's a total smokescreen, man. Okay. Interesting. Do you not?
1: I don't know what I think, okay? I know that's nothing uh, nothing really good to go on, but I would just say that my my confidence in the fact that he's going to USC is not what it was twenty four or even
0: forty eight wow. hours ago. Someone's been hearing something out there on the Jordan Addison
1: situation, mm-hmm. huh? Not necessarily. Is... Oh
0: necessarily. I,
1: I don't I I don't know. It's it's all speculation at this point, Tyler. It's all speculation, but
0: yeah, Teddy knows something. This is how he gets it across. Uh, by the way, Travis Davidson, good point. Mario Williams also visited Texas en route to USC.
1: That is a good so. point. It is a good point. Um, I I think it still lines up exactly what you're talking about for the USC game plan. It's it's the exact verbiage, everything of the Caleb Williams situation. I still think it's USC. I just don't feel as good about it as I did previously.
0: No, um, okay, that's some interesting intel there from you.
1: It's why, an interesting uh, lack of intel.
0: Yeah, I guess that's probably the better way to put it. Why? Why Texas, though? I mean, I is it all nil driven? It's not like, I mean, you just came from Pitt and you won the Bolitnikov, and right. I understand that there's a lot of hype around their offense this year, but why? Why Texas? Why not Alabama, where you could roll in there with the Reigning Heisman Trophy winner and be the number one wide receiver. It, it's probably all nil driven. It's just okay if you're really going to leave Pitt. That's fine, but Texas, really, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how strongly I feel about Texas. I probably feel uh, way better about Alabama than I would Texas. Um. The quarter, hes already been throwing with the quarterback at Alabama, right? So, you know they've got they've got wide receiver needs at Alabama. I know they've always got a loaded loaded group there, but they've had a couple of transfer guys themselves. They've uh, they've graduated some guys. There's some opportunity at wide receiver at Alabama.
0: Let's see what text line's saying. Addison's wide receiver coach from Pitt went to Texas. That's why he's visiting. That's from the uh, that's 479 right four seven nine area code. We knew Tef, that. Uh, Te- Teddy definitely knows something. This is how he acted during the entire coaching search. I don't that fact.
1: I, I don't know anything. I'm telling you, I don't know anything. I'm just saying my confidence does not is not as strong as it was before. That it's just straight up USC.
0: Okay, uh, 918, I would love to see Dan Lanning offer Addison a huge NIL deal with Nike and poach him for Shoe.
1: Oh, there uh, you go.
0: Um, I'm not saying that this is true. I'm just asking the question. But are we rooting so hard for Oregon now that we're willing to um, at least partly forget what happened in 2006 in Eugene or not so much?
1: Uh, No, never. I because I feel
0: like we're pulling pretty hard for Oregon the next three years or however long he's there.
1: I'm, I'm, Oregon is. They don't need anyone to. They they've got. There's going to be more snakiness going on at Oregon than there is anywhere well, else in the no Pac-12.
0: It is the SEC West, Teddy. Yes, right. so That's that's a fact.
1: Yeah, it's that is. Yeah, we don't need to worry about that. We can let them uh, battle it out. There's going to be plenty going on out there. But I do think they're going to have a good football team.
0: Texas barbecue is drier than Muleshoe's brisket. Three exclamation marks. We're talking last hour. You think we get anyone that shows up for Muleshoe? And if so, how do you think that they react <laughs> to the whole uh, drama last year?
1: Where Where is Muleshoe in relation to Lubbock? Is it Is it close to Lubbock? Is it yeah, West it's Texas? really close to
0: Lubbock? Yeah. yeah, it's really close to Lubbock. So what Amarillo as you say is just a straight shot north of Lubbock.
1: Yeah, that's right. And
0: Muleshoe is oh, I'm trying to find it on my map exactly what direction it is, but it's 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 very close by. Okay. So there I think there's a real chance here we have someone from Muleshoe.
1: Oh yeah. It's kind of it's about it's a little closer to Lubbock than Amarillo and whatever highway that connects the two. South out of Amarillo. Highway
0: 214. When, when 214 meets 84. Yeah. You
1: know that. Whenever you get to Plainview, when you're headed south to Lubbock, you head straight west and it's going to take you to, to Mule Shoe. Dang. Mm. It's dang near New Mexico.
0: I bet the whole town shows up here tonight. What do no, you
1: think? No wonder he's he's got such a soft spot for, what's that place called?
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, he's not the head coach anymore. I forgot where his favorite uh, – Vermejo. Jeez, Vermejo. That, that freaked me out, Teddy. I almost forgot about Vermejo. That was a big part of our show for a while.
1: I know. No wonder he he basically lived in Vermejo. Well, I guess Mule Shoe and Vermejo probably don't look anything alike. But uh, he's right there close to, to New Mexico. Nice. Well, okay. They'll You may get some Mule Shoe folks up there as much as – You've been talking crap about uh, Lincoln Riley recently. Better be oh, careful. You,
0: you think they disagree with me? Are you serious? I think even the folks down in Muleshoe think he's a snake. Those Muleshoe Snake T-shirts we gave out a couple months ago—I thought they show up wearing those today.
1: Which, they don't by disagree the way,
0: with me on that, he embarrasses the town.
1: What's the T-shirt situation looking like right now? Oh
0: uh, man, I've uh, I've already given one away to a uh, really the president of the OU Club of Amarillo. But it's looking good, man. I've got a ton of T-shirts. Well, really, 30 T-shirts to give out today. So everyone that shows up to the OU Coaches Caravan, show me you have proof of the app. Uh, Just search K-R-E-F in the app store if you don't have it already. Show me you have the app, and you're walking away with a free T-shirt. I mean, does it get any easier than that?
1: It's crazy. It's crazy,
0: man. It's crazy.
1: Not really. Not really. Um, What are we thinking about the – the Caleb Spencer kid. Any more conversation come out about that? Have we heard from any anyone talking a little bit more in depth about what he? May Parker offer thinks up? he's going
0: to get his fourth star. That's what he said. I'll, I'll take his word on it. I, I mean, whether he's a three star or four star doesn't really change my opinion of he's six foot three, two hundred, and I love the versatility of bringing someone in that's six foot three, two hundred is a true freshman. That's, so that's kind of where I'm at.
1: He's going to get the four-star because he committed to the University of Oklahoma. Is that how it works? Uh, probably, yeah.
0: As good a reason as any, right?
1: No, if he would have Didn't gone- you get that second star after you committed to OU? That's right. If he would have gone with that West Virginia offer, he would have stayed as a three-star. They wouldn't have hey, him, given him that bump.
0: He would have dropped to a two-star <laughs> is what would have happened. Uh, you know this. Oh, well, he
1: can't be that good going to West Virginia. Well, uh, I don't know. I just watching online and on Twitter, listening to some of the comments, it kind of looks like, and I'd like to hear your take and maybe what Parker said on this. It sounds to me like they're blaming uh, like Venables, the don't commit if you're not ready to actually commit. On, on the reason there's been such a dry spell? Is is that kind of what you guys gather?
0: I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not as pushy for recruits as the previous staff or some other staffs around the country. I don't think there's a whole lot of people freaking out about it, at least now. Um, maybe there will become a point if, you know, when we're in October and they only have, like, ten commits. But I think everyone's in the – in Brent we trust. If this is how he goes about it, that's fine. But, I, I mean, the – Overall statement is accurate, yeah. I just don't think that there's I, – I, I did a – I basically took a, a wellness test of the text line, and I felt like 90% of the people are, no, nah, we trust him, it's good here. Only 10% were kind of at least a little bit worried about his approach. Which, yeah. again, that approach led to a national championship. So I understand they don't have 10 commits right now, and you're probably used to that, but it's hard for me to sit back and argue with a method that has clearly worked before, twice and they played in four national championship games.
1: now is this is this is this a Venables thing or is this a a Clemson thing? Is this kind of the same deal yeah, that they went with yeah. the Clemson? E-
0: e- yeah, yeah, that's that's the way that I understand it. Yeah. I mean, they made Jaron Canick <laughs> find his own way to Clemson before they would offer him a scholarship, you know, right? They take the approach of, all right, well, you know, I don't want to waste my time making my way all the way to Hayes, Kansas, just to see you, and then you go somewhere else. Like, if you're really interested, then make your way out to Clemson and, and like show me that you're interested. So they take a very different approach to you know some of these other staffs, which I don't I, I don't hate it.
1: So the only real difference between uh, Dabo's approach from Venables is the delivery. Venables said, "Well, we don't want you to commit." If you're not ready to, I mean, commitment is commitment, and Dabo's, oh well, golly, you know, don't commit if you're not ready to show up. That's the only. Wait difference. till we go thirty and zero because we gotta go thirty and zero to make the playoff.
0: Golly, I go thirty and zero every year to get some respect. Yeah, you won two natties, Dabo. Calm down. the,
1: the only the only difference in the. Uh, in the situation is the delivery, I guess. Well, that's good.
0: I, uh, I dare you to throw out the Dabo voice when we talk to Bob next segment. <laughs> <And> I dare <laughs> you to do it. I wonder how he'd handle that. <laughs>
1: Gosh dang, Coach! <laughs> uh, that's funny. I have no idea what
0: he would do. It'd be out of his element a little bit.
1: I could probably almost fool him if I could go to another microphone. <laughs> hey, Coach, just so you know, uh, Davos Winnie's here with me in in studio. He's going to fire a couple questions your way, too. Yeah, you
0: totally fall for that. You're, yeah, you're you're dead on about that. You have no idea.
1: Uh, good stuff. All right, well, let's hit a timeout. We've got Coach Stoops going to join us next. Tyler's out there. In Emma Rio for the Sooner Caravan. I'm hanging out in studio. Keep the text line going, Air Comfort Solutions text line,
0: 651-3439. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. I believe we have our favorite guest for our favorite segment of the entire week, Bob Stoops, brought to you by Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. And Bob, I'm in Amarillo right now at the OU coaches caravan. Britt Venables going to be here, Jenny Baranchek, Porter Moser going to be here later tonight. What was your favorite thing about the uh, the caravans going around everywhere back when you were coaching?
2: No, it's always you know, it's always fun to meet people and uh, connect with the fans and uh, that kind of thing. I know, you know, in my first year or two, we did go to, I don't know, probably eight of them. And then uh, then we dialed back to just the bigger ones. But, you know, with all these new coaches, it's fantastic to to get out and engage the fan base, get to people to know them better and see them in these kind of settings, uh, I've been around all three of them a bunch, of course, Brent, and everyone knows that. But, but Jenny and Porter just fantastic uh, people, and uh, all full of energy. And man, they're they're just uh, great hires by Joe Castiglione, and uh, they're going to do great job. Uh, they already are, and uh, it's only going to get better.
1: I got to imagine, Coach. You know, early on, whenever you first signed on and got the job, doing those caravans was. Probably a lot of convincing that, hey, it's going to be different. We're, we've got things going in a good way. It may not happen overnight, but it was, it was probably a little bit different. And then it changed probably, probably really quickly after year two winning a national championship. I imagine it was a different feeling in those, those caravans.
2: Well, the first couple of years, yes, just getting everyone to understand it's going to be good. It's going to be solid. Give it some time uh you know we've got really good coaches and support around us so uh anyway um but you know we never sold the idea of of, uh of you know not winning right away that was our motto and sure enough after the second round of going out to all these spring events we went undefeated and people did feel I guess they do know what they're doing and we ought to be excited and uh Fortunately, I was so busy after all of that, you know, just all the different places you have to go to and banquets and award shows and on and on and on. We dialed back some of the number of caravans we went to (laughs) and uh, allowed (laughs) me to stick around a little longer. (laughs) So anyway, but it's great that, uh, again, with all these new coaches are getting out seeing everybody. What about
0: recruiting during that time, Bob? I mean, you, you told us before, and, and we know what, you know, the program looked like when, when you took over and maybe you had to convince some of those assistant coaches to stay after a couple of months. But what were you mainly pitching on the recruiting trail uh, to, to guys out there when you first took, uh, took the job?
2: Oh, the history of Oklahoma and uh, the background of all of us coaches. Uh, you know, most all of us had come from really strong, Success in winning programs and knew how to win, and uh, and then the history of Oklahoma. You know, this is the history that we had just experienced in the la- recent years. Is you know was the outlier. You know, those ten years or so leading up to to us coming in. That look, you know, we're we're bound to get this back again, and and when we do, you want to be here to enjoy it and be a part of it. And, uh, and then again, like I said, all of our backgrounds of success, you know, uh, people have a track record. I say it a lot when hiring people. Track record usually doesn't lie too much. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're successful or not and and uh, tends to, you know, not that someone can't change or overcome things. That happens. but But track records do matter in my mind.
1: How is that approach different? Doing the XFL thing, you know, it, college obviously there's you know you, you're you're coming to a program that has a long tradition and and you do sell that and you know you're 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 recruiting and then the XFL you're trying to build a tradition you're trying to start something you're start starting a franchise and you're not you're not recruiting you're you're going out and picking personnel so like just balancing that difference is is it really there's not that much different? You're just trying to find the best players and you're coaching football? Is that kind of what it boils down to?
2: Yeah, yeah. As you know, you, you're you in the NFL for a while. You're just trying to find the best players. We'll have a draft. Get guys that, you know, of course, if it's – you're kind of down to two guys. It's very similar in how they play and what they do. But, you know, one guy's really had been on a, a team that's had a lot of success and championships – other guy hasn't i'm generally going to go with the guy that's had the success so those kind of things i mean you know the intangibles still matter you know but uh so yeah you're you're just always trying to find the best guy that fits you
0: bob stoops is our guest brought to you by yo pablo on campus corner I'm staring at some margarita mix right now, so I don't know if there is going to be some rock and roll tequila in the building tonight, guys. But it would not surprise me one bit, Teddy, if we see a uh, <laughs> rock and roll tequila truck or golf cart or whatever they have pull up here to Amarillo. Well,
2: well, if they if, if they'd invited me, I would have brought some. So uh, I guess I <laughs> will just have to have a little bit at home.
1: <laughs> hey, someone was asking me about the rock and roll tequila the other day. You've got the different flavor. You got the mango. You got the strawberry. But someone was asking me about what is the the tequila that's in it's a different guitar it's like a big electric guitar and I I was I said I don't know I haven't seen that one what what's that one is that a special no they're,
2: they're, no, they're all that way uh, they all have a guitar bottle there's a platinum and uh, and añejo the other two so but they all have a guitar bottle some of them are a little bit different than the
1: others gotcha but, uh,
2: yeah they're yeah just they're all different models of guitar you know of, of guitars
1: yeah now um my next x f l thing is how much how much of the is there do you evaluate n f l stuff or is it mainly college guys kind of what's how do you guys uh, decide on the pool of players is is it guys that yeah, just there'll, yeah
2: there'll be a lot of uh Players out, you know, out of college that don't make – mostly players that aren't just on the fringes of the NFL, players that will be released, you know, late in the summer. Uh, We'll look at players here through the summer that are out of the league already in some showcases, some tryout kind of camps that you have to sign up for and uh, be approved, you know, to show up. And, by the way, anyone listening, that isn't me – so don't don't go trying to reach me in regard to signing up. And then uh you know, and then you'll we'll, When we'll go after players that are just on the edge, just you know, guys that are a year or two out from the, the league. Say a guy played two, three years in the league and and is now out of it. Uh, he's a perfect guy, you know, for us to, to have a chance to maybe get back in the league by playing well, you know. So those that's what all the player personnel and our directors of player personnel will be looking for, you know, gathering a pool of those kind of players. Maybe you knew that the
0: XFL was making a return uh, before the Alamo Bowl, but were you always going to come back to the XFL? Did you just want to do this again, or is there any chance that coming back and coaching that bowl game got the juices flowing again and you said to yourself, yeah, I, I want to get back in this in some capacity?
2: No, that had nothing to do with it. I and whether I was going to ever do it again or not, uh, I had no idea. I didn't know whether it would come back or not. So, not like I was sitting there on pins and needles waiting for it. So you know, uh, and I didn't need to, to coach a game. You know, the Alamo Bowl to know whether I, you know, any of that. That was that wasn't hard to do. Um, like I said, the players were awesome to me. Really embraced me and. Uh, we guys worked hard. The assistant coaches did an awesome job. And for the fans out there, even the ones who you know who didn't have a job to stay here, which isn't their fault all the time, they did a hell of a job and given us an opportunity to win that game. So, anyhow, that, that was uh, fun to do. But none of, none of them correlate to one another that I needed to do this again. Okay. It just fit, you know, just the opportunity there right sure. now. Just kind of fits for for the time being.
1: All right, uh, last one I've got for you is what's what's kind of the timeline. I know you guys have have had some meetings and slated to start next February. Um, when do we when do we find out kind of what the what the cities are going to be like? Who all's going to be represented and and just some of that timeline stuff? Is that going to be coming down pretty quickly?
2: Uh, it is. The cities have already been released, okay. and then we uh, will have the. Coaches with them uh, here, I believe, shortly, uh, within a month probably, uh, I'm guessing. Um, and um, and then uh, we start, a draft will be in November, and that will be the first draft. We may have another supplemental draft later. Uh, practices will start in January. And then the first game will be uh, the first Saturday, Sunday after the Super Bowl kind of mid-February, around the 17th, 18th, something like that. Awesome. And it'll be a 10-week season. Uh, and then uh, one playoff game and one championship game.
1: Awesome stuff. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for stopping by. I know you're busy out there, and uh, we always appreciate your time.
2: All right, guys. Great to be with you. Have a good week.
1: Appreciate it, Coach. All right, there we go. There's Coach uh, there's Coach no boomer
0: man you lay hey, down too many times he's like i'm just gonna abandon it and hey about
1: it i was locked and loaded on a sooner to fire back buddy <laughs> I, this time uh, i was i was geared up and ready for it we um, finally got it right last week and then that was it no oh, well i know it okay. i know it. it's okay you just got to play things by ear uh good to have coach stoops on get a little bit of that timeline going with the XFL. Uh, Good stuff. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the Rush coming up. Tyler's out there in Amarillo, Texas for the Sooner Caravan. Coach Vittables, Coach Bronchek, those guys are going to be coming through this afternoon. I'm here in studio. Keep the text line coming, 651-3439.
0: It is the Rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman live on the home of Sooner fans. You guys are killing it on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. As always, we appreciate that. 405-651-3439. I'm live in Amarillo at the OU Coaches Caravan. So if you're one of these West Texas Sooners coming out tonight, show me you have proof of the Ref app. Just search K-R-E-F in the App Store, and you're going to get hooked up with a free Ref t-shirt, which I think is uh, pretty cool. Hey, random thought, but I I thought it while we were talking to Bob. You know, what's that old Garth Brooks song, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers? Yeah. And though it was completely crap at the time that it happened, that line in that song is totally relevant to Mike Stoops right now. Thank God, Teddy, he did not end up in Austin as a linebackers coach, especially after that five and seven year last year. And thank God he's at a place like Kentucky where, I mean, they're not going to be picked to win the SEC or anything. But I think their preseason win total is like eight and a half or nine, which is probably one of the highest win totals Kentucky's ever had. So you talk about ending up in a better situation with a better coaching staff and a system that kind of fits him more as a position coach. God, that, that worked out well for him.
1: Uh, hmm. Why, why, do you think, why do you say that it would have been so god-awful at Texas? Because
0: it was God-awful at Texas last year. They probably had one of their worst defenses in school history last year. They were giving up tons of points every single week. And if he would have been a part of that, you know how it works. He would have been the punchline to the joke, even though it wouldn't have been the majority of his fault. That's why I say it.
1: Right. Huh. Yeah. I I think that I'm – I'm – by no means do I think Texas is bouncing back. I don't. Uh, I th- I don't think they're going to be as god awful maybe as you think they're going to be, but I'm p- personally I'm glad Mike Stoops didn't go to Texas. I, d- I-, I didn't want that conflict of interest, but I know that he and Sarkisian got really close whenever uh, they were sharing that time there at Alabama under Nick Saban. But I'll tell you what I like. I like that he's going to be there with his brother in Kentucky. Uh, that's a good, tough defense. That's a tough football team. And I like that we're going to be going up against him and hopefully seeing him uh, down the road here before too long.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the point for me is that, you, you know, Texas, you may be right. They may be better than what I'm thinking. I think I had them, what, like seven and five a couple weeks ago when we did win-loss. They may be better than than I'm thinking. But I, I think if that happens, that's going to be because of the offense, not necessarily the defense. Right. They were a dumpster fire last year defensively, and maybe they're a little bit better. I think that we can probably expect them to be a little bit better in year two, but I don't see them turning some huge corner where they're going to be, you know, one of the top three defenses in the conference this year. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to outscore teams on a week-in, week-out basis most likely.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's, I think that's probably right. Um yeah, I think that's probably right, but I will say... I,
0: I, I'm just saying he's in a system that's more conducive to playing good defense at Kentucky. You know, they want to run the ball. They want to be tough. Uh, they want to help out their defense. I, I just think that formula for him is going to work a whole lot better than Sark, who's an offensive mind, wanting to throw up 50 points per game. I just I, I just think he's in a much better spot than no, where he would have been in Austin.
1: No, I, I do agree with you on that, uh, for sure. I do think that there's going to be... Um, at least, especially in the near term. I, I think it's going to be a, a project to get Texas turned around. And I still don't think that I, – I think that the kind of the new – if you were Sarkeesian, you went to Texas feeling like we're going to have to come in here, change the culture, and, you know, we need this to be a, a tougher place, a more disciplined place. The NIL stuff. While I think it's going to help them get a couple of players, it it could not have happened at a worse time for Sarkeesian. It's going to fly yeah, directly yeah. in con, uh, conflict with everything that he's trying to do there. I mean, we already got uh, Bijan Robinson, which I don't know the kid. I, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's great. I'm sure he's super smart. Sure, he handles his business off the field, but. Whenever you got a, a kid in the locker room that's got a, a deal with Lamborghini, you can't tell them anything. It's not like the NFL where you can cut guys and send them, send them home or fine them. It's not a business. It's like somewhere in between college and business, but there are no consequences or repercussions for the guys. If they want to miss, they can miss. There's nothing you can do do to them and and this whole Nil deal makes them probably I could understand having been a college kid before feel like rules don't apply to them like they do the rest of the team
0: yeah I, and then one of your guys gets a Lamborghini after a season like that you know what I mean so right. I, I, it just kind of sends the opposite message of what you want to have in your program uh we got a ton of text to get to let's get to them should we be worried the way Dave Aranda shut down Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl? Was that a fluke? We do have to remember Matt Corral got hurt pretty early in that game, but what was the final score, 21-7, I think?
1: 21-7 or, yeah, 21-7, 21-14, something like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't think what, – what's the theory there? Like, all of a sudden this um, – the, the offense isn't as good as maybe we thought. I, I don't think that's the case. Um, here's what I think. I think that the better the players are, the better the offense is going to be. And Ole Miss did not have better players than Baylor. Uh, Baylor had a really, really good defense. I think whenever you have uh, – a lot of times, whenever especially if defense is your strength and you've got a month to prepare – I think you can, you can really dial in and slow some offenses down that are specialized, kind of like that was. So I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything necessarily to be worried about. I would, I would say that we're going to be upgraded at almost every position over what Ole Miss was.
0: From the 405, had to fill up my gas tank today. Feels like watching the OU defense in 2017. You know what's going to be a high number, but always interesting to see how high.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, that's a good point. Is anyone going
0: to be jealous if I filled up today? I was on E, by the way, this morning before my trip to Amarillo. Uh, $49 to fill all the way hey, up today. That's... Anyone jealous?
1: Yeah, I'm jealous because I can't even fill up my car at most places before it hits the 105 cutoff. And I've got Oof. to, uh, I've got to reinsert the, the credit card and go through that whole thing again. It's it's a real nightmare. And judging from what I've been seeing recently on the news, it's just the beginning, Tyler. God, you made a mm. smart purchase. Really smart purchase. Yeah,
0: yeah. I uh, didn't even take me a half of a tank to get from OKC to, to Amarillo. How about that? Eh, right, right around that. Hey, Goldsberg from Goldsby. Do y'all have information on signing up for the XFL? (laughs) Well, don't ask Bob. Isn't that what he said?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've got some information. Show up with your uh, workout gear on and Coach Supes' front lawn over there. Uh, You know where he lives. Just show up over there and ask if Coach wants to time you in a 40 and do a bench press test. It would be pretty good, right?
0: That's what happened to you. Yeah, why don't you just run it yeah, back again? Show up and run a 40 and uh, get a, get a spot on the team. That'd be great for content if you landed on Bob's XFL team, just saying.
1: Just show up at, w- like, whatever thing that they've got going. Like, spend a little – like, not just show up in the shape I am now. Spend some actual time to where I can at least fake being a football player through some drills and stuff and show up and see if I can make the squad.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> think that'd be amazing uh f350 dually here 185 per tank oh gosh man
1: i man that's i saw rough. i saw some diesel up in oklahoma city now it, it was i think it was six dollars a gallon is what i saw Woo! Mm. just ridiculous yeah i i hey, feel the pain was... my my truck whenever i had a 35 gallon bag on it that's that's a lot at six dollars per
0: Real quick, uh, Oklahoma Johnny asked, "Wonder who's paying the insurance for that Lamborghini? I bet that monthly payment is absurd, or he's not driving it very long."
1: It's going to be on the yeah, dealers. Yeah, he's floating that bill. It'll be on the dealer's insurance, just like whenever you, um, like whenever you hand over your your license, whenever you take it for a test drive. I think it's probably theirs, or maybe he does have to to have his own insurance, which. W- A Lamborghini, whenever a 55-year-old businessman buys it, the insurance is going to be high. But whenever a 21-year-old college student buys a Lamborghini, that insurance premium is going to look a little different.
0: I was trying to think if he was even 21 years old, but he played that one year under Herman because they barely even gave him the ball. So this is his third year, so he's probably twenty one, but he's not
1: I feel like I saw he's somewhere, not
0: much older than that if he is.
1: Yeah, I feel like I saw somewhere that he's not twenty one yet, but that could be Oof. wrong and I could be confusing him with somewhere else. But yeah, that's that's gonna be a high payment. There is no doubt about it. And it's not gonna be long until he high centers it on a railroad crossing or uh, you know, pulls into a parking spot and forgets that it's one inch off the ground in that little curb there in front of the parking. It, it, the bumper doesn't slide over the top of it like it does in your F-150 pickup truck. So, yeah, we'll see.
0: College football: the uh, star running back drives a more expensive car than the uh, head coach now, Whew. which that's been going on <laughs> at, at other schools across the country at times. But it's where we're at right now, and and probably by a long shot, I would guess that. Uh, I mean, Sark could buy a nice vehicle, but I'm guessing he's not driving a Lambo around town. I know. Just a guess.
1: That, it's the biggest croc. That's the my my biggest beef with being a head coach in college football where you make over $5 million a year. None of the coaches have cool cars. None of them. You can't have a cool car because it's like frowned upon. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe really you're going to pull up in a in a Ferrari. Well, you know that I make $7 million a year. Why are you so shocked that I'm pulling up in a Ferrari? Oh, but doesn't it just, you know, uh, paint a poor picture for the kids? Yeah. Well, I don't (laughs) really care. (laughs) I'm driving the Ferrari.
0: It's no. Brent Venable strikes me as a lifted F350 kind of man. Do I have that wrong, or is he just kind of a it's funny you you say that a big SUV kind of guy.
1: It's interesting that you say that after you repeatedly on this show. Always talk about the guys in the lifted truck making up for something. That's like your tagline. I and said now that you're like saying three
0: times.
1: And now you're saying you think Venable's drives a lifted truck. Woo, I don't know what's going on there.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> was not leading on that. He's the one guy, Teddy, that can drive the lifted truck, and he's not making up for something. Okay. Hey, I I but think you'll you definitely drove a lifted truck.
1: I think he just drives a standard F one fifty. I oh, okay, good to hear. I believe. That's All
0: right. championship material. Quick
1: timeout. We'll come back, wrap up our number one next. Stay tuned.
0: Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you our number one of the rush on this Tuesday live in Amarillo at the OU Coaches Caravan. And I love this on the Air Comfort Solutions text line because people have a guess as to what Britt Bittables drives. This one says, I'm pretty sure I heard uh, Britt Venables drives a 90s Jeep Wrangler.
1: Huh. There's nothing wrong with the 90s uh, Jeep Wrangler. That's not too bad. Not good on the highway. Jeeps, awful. Anything above 60, 65 miles an hour.
0: I feel like Venables drives a 1976 Bronco with 35s, a CB radio. And a massive PA system on it just yelling out to people that don't know how to drive properly. I agree. Could you see him? (laughs) Four tourists don't know what he's doing. (laughs) Yelling at him in the right-hand lane.
1: (laughs) There was a a high school kid. He was older than me. He was my brother's age. And he drove uh, like an old Jeep. And that Jeep... The linkage in the transmission would go out all the time, and he'd be, like, pulled over the random, most random spots, and I'd see him underneath the Jeep trying to get the linkage in the transmission. That's Venables. Side, yeah. side of the road <laughs> trying to figure out the, the tranny underneath the Jeep. Uh, all right, quick timeout. Hour number two of The Rush coming up next. Keep hitting the text line, 651-3439. Rush is back. Hour number two. Teddy Lehman here. Tyler McComas. Separate locations. Tyler's turned into the uh, Sooner Caravan guy. He's out in Amarillo, Texas. They've got the Sooner Caravan yep. going on tonight. He's got t-shirts out there. All you got to do is show up. Show him you've got the app and free tea. Nice design on the t-shirt as well. Pretty cool. Looks like a uh, kind of like a tour stop type of deal for a band t-shirt pretty cool stuff um what's the expectation you didn't now you're not uh hanging around are you you didn't last time
0: yeah um i don't know i might i might hang out uh until six thirty when it starts uh depends on what these storms do here but yeah I, I may for a little bit the expectation is there's gonna be a lot of people here i mean they just rolled out two massive beer carts so i think that they're expecting yeah. a lot of people you
1: know? Everything's uh bigger in Texas. Uh even the beer carts. Tyler, come on. You should know that.
0: <laughs> Tall boys only around here, dude. You know how they roll in West Texas. That's probably right.
1: Now, we it, it, at least refresh my memory if if it's not serving me properly, but we didn't we didn't hear any like breaking news or Anything really new from Coach Venable's from the the first stop? Right, it was pretty much some of the same stuff that we've heard. Right, there wasn't there wasn't yeah, any new yeah like I Revelation? mean, it was
0: I, it was kind of for the most part more of the same. It sounded like any press conference that he's had or any you know speaking opportunity up to this point is you know he's in that room and everyone in there is hanging by every single word. And right. I think I think OU fans all believe what this guy's going to do and everyone's on board with what he's selling. But it kind of feels like it hits a little bit different if you're in an environment like this in a small room and you hear him talk. He just – and this is one of the things that I – I mean, I, I guess I didn't think about it, but I just didn't understand that he had this ability to speak in front of people and just persuade everyone that – this is the way we're going to go about things. This is how it's going to go. This is the right of way to, right way to do it. This is how we're going to win championships. It's just I, I didn't know that he had that gift of speaking. Um, that has I don't know if it surprised me a little bit, but it's been a pleasant surprise. If that's what you want to say, to man, if he's if he's with the microphone, he's he's going to make you believe. He's going to make you believe in how he's
1: approaching it. Well, here's the thing, people people love energy, right? They love energy yeah they love energy. They love passion. He's definitely energetic. He's definitely passionate what he's speaking about. The next thing is people love uh, to listen to someone that is positive. and he's always positive. like even if it's, you know, sometimes delivered, and this isn't for a caravan, this is maybe at a team meeting or something. People want to hear positive, even if it's got a little bit of edge to the delivery, right? Yeah. People want to hear that. The other thing they want, people want direction. Even if the direction we're headed is going to be difficult, just make it clear what's happening, what's expected of me, what I need to do, where we're going, and what the goal is. There's, there's not a lot of uh, gray area. Everything is, is very defined, and it's definitive. Everyone knows the role. Everyone knows the expectation. There's no, there's no gray area, and people like that. People like to know what the expectation is. Just, just give it to me, right? And that's what yep. happens. Whenever you step into a room, he's going to give it to you whether you like it or not, but because of that delivery and he's positive and all of those things, it it just comes across really well. It comes across well for a fan base in the stadium. It comes across well for a football team in the team meeting room, and I'm sure it comes across for the fans in a caravan as well.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, in, in this way was always going to come across well to a fan base like OU, but it's really kind of perfect timing to have someone like this, right? because it's the exact opposite of what you just came from as a head coach. Mm -hmm. Not personable, not fiery, and that's one of the things that fans always wanted Lincoln Riley to be, is like, why is he not more animated? Why won't he just shoot us straight? We all know there's something wrong. Why won't he just come out and say it? It's the direct opposite of what it was before, and I think that that's one of the big reasons why it's playing so well right now, and I don't think that that's going to change win or lose in the future. I think that you're going to get – very much the same tone as what we've heard the past, you know, 4 months or however long it's been.
1: Right. Yeah, and uh, I was about to say it's easy right now. It's never easy. Mm. But I I think that like the next real hurdle for him is what's his approach and how is he whenever i right, things are something's bad, something bad has happened, whether it's uh, a loss or um, you know, an off-season issue, like, what happens then? Are we still going to get the open, tell-all, give us the direction, give us the good, bad, the ugly, just lay it on us? Or is there going to be some shaping of the narrative a little bit more? I don't know. It's, I don't it's
0: feel just... that way, man. I, 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 I could be totally wrong because Coach Speak is a real thing. There is no doubt about it. And it's you're right. It's easy now. It's a little bit different when you're under fire. But I, I feel like it's going to be, in, in a lot of ways, brutal honesty after that first loss or wh- however many right. losses well, they encounter this year.
1: Here's the thing: if if you're trying to sell to recruits, how great it's going to be here, how easy it's going to be here, how much like everything is going to be catered to you. Well, then, because you're always talking to recruits, no matter, like, even in a, a post game press conference and the media is asking you questions, like, you're still talking to recruits whenever you answer those questions. So it's a lot easier to answer a question directly, truthfully, without spin, whenever that's not part of your recruiting pitch, right? Totally. If, you're, if your recruiting pitch is, this is going to be hard. This is going to be the most demanding thing that you've ever done. I'm going to ask more of you than anyone else. The discipline that we're going to uh, have, the accountability, this is not going to be easy for you. So make sure that you're ready whenever you you sign up to come here. Uh, like We're going to do great things, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it, and you know we, we've got a lot of great things for our players here, but – uh, just know that this is going to be incredibly demanding. Whenever that's the pitch, well, no one's shocked. Whenever after a loss and you don't play well, you're up there, you know, telling it how it is. So I, I guess that's kind of the difference between the two the two methods there.
0: Yeah. Hey, by the way, did you see the early line for the OU Nebraska game was released today? Did no you see the number. No. What What do you What do you think the number is?
1: Um. Where did this – this came from, Vegas? Um,
0: uh, like one of the online betting sites.
1: See, I don't think Vegas is going to have Nebraska winning the, the West, the Big Ten West, <laughs> yeah. like the ESPN-FPI did. Good call. Um, last year's game was tight. I think it's going to be OU minus two and a half.
0: Wow. Um, OU minus three and a half. Which huh. a lot of people think is a lot lower than anticipated, but
1: okay. Well, I, 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 the, the, I think they the didn't reason, lose nine
0: games by single digits right. last year, so
1: you've got that. Like whenever you're, if you're setting the line on something, you're going to go off of well, what, what's this team's history? And the history is to play games incredibly close. You know, it's going to be Oklahoma coach Venable's first road game. You're going to be playing in Lincoln, where you know traditionally they have a really good crowd, a really good atmosphere. So. Yeah, three and a half. I'm I'm not I'm not surprised by that. I actually yeah, thought so it'd I, be uh, like on the lower side of a field goal. Uh,
0: the The text line is. I mean, they are hyped up today. I'm getting uh, oh you'll beat Nebraska by three touchdowns. Uh, oh you'll beat Nebraska thirty five seventeen. This one says sixty nine to nothing. Yeah. Not everyone's under the assumption that yeah we're well, just gonna roll uh, Nebraska. Which I mean. Maybe that will happen. I mean, we are talking about a three and nine team, but I you know, I mean you and I are in lockstep. I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a tough tough, tough football game. So three and a half, I'd probably take OU minus three and a half, but it's not like I feel just fantastic about it. I mean, if you offer me a three point win right now against a team that was three nine last year, uh, yeah, I'll I'll take that right now. Where do I sign?
1: Well, here's the thing. Here's the things that I think the University of Oklahoma has going for them in that football game. Number one, uh, University of Oklahoma head football coach Brent Venables knows the new Nebraska offensive coordinator, Whipple, has defended his offenses in the past, um, defended them, held them to fewer points than anyone else uh, that they played last year. He's got a good idea of what it is that they do on the other side, uh, Nebraska's defense. I don't believe the, who's the coordinator there. It's the same coordinator, right? They didn't hire new Um, DC. They
0: hired, they hired Mickey Joseph from LSU. Is he there? I, I, I can't remember exactly what he is. Um, don't, don't. I'll I'll look it up and see who their okay. who their defensive coordinator is. Well,
1: that's a, that's a little bit different because I don't I don't know why I thought they they kept the same defensive coordinator and I was going to say that that defensive coordinator has not seen LeBby's offense, but if if he was at LSU last year or recently when LeBby was the coordinator there, he will have some familiarity with it, but I still think there's not you can prepare for that offense so to speak, but you can't ever really prepare for the speed. And I think that the speed at which they're going to be able to play is going to give them a big advantage, even with Nebraska being on uh, their home turf.
0: Eric Shenander is the uh, defensive coordinator. Played college football at Iowa. He was uh, Scott Frost defensive coordinator at UCF, okay. um, including that 2017 team.
1: So he's been there with him the whole time. So I don't I – don't... yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I don't think that D coordinator is going to have any experience against Levy's offense, which is – is that's – that is not a good thing because <laughs> it's going to hit you by surprise with the speed that they're going to play with. So I would say yeah. those are, those are yeah. all positives for Oklahoma going into that game.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that – and they will the first two games. I mean, you're going to run tempo in your first two games that they play. So we'll get the questions of, well – do you think OU won't run as much tempo before the Nebraska game so the Huskers won't have much film on it? I don't think it matters, Teddy, if you have film on up-tempo or not. If you can't prep for it, you can't prep for it. So seeing it on film is totally different than seeing it in person. So, I, yeah, I, I think OU is definitely going to show up-tempo in its first two games.
1: Right. Yeah, well, here's the thing, you know, it's it's a – on film – you can't see the up-tempo on film. You have to go to the TV copy, usually, to get the, the up-tempo. But, you know, they may have access to the... There's an All-22 that is basically continuously run, but I don't know that they'll have access to that because Oklahoma's first two games are at home. Maybe they'll have access to that. I'm not sure how exactly that works. But, yeah, like, but even if you know... The tempo, and you can't get your scout team to ever recreate it. It's just you yeah. can't go that fast.
0: Uh, tell me what you think about some of these other lines. Bama minus 14 and a half at Texas week two.
1: Bama minus 14 and a half?
0: Yeah, in Austin.
1: Uh, I'll lay the 14 and a half.
0: Yeah, same. You've got um, Notre Dame plus 13 and a half at Ohio State. Man, that's a big number. I'm I'm gonna take the Irish in the points on that one. I don't think that they'll win, but I, I'll I'll save my point for next segment about my. Hmm, I think Ohio State's gonna be really good, but I got a question about Ryan Day. But just for now, I I'll, I'll take Notre Dame in the points there.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think Notre Dame's gonna be fairly salty, and like my biggest question in that game is uh, who wins the battle between. Uh, Ohio State's defense and Notre Dame's offense. Cuz I feel like Notre Dame's defense and Ohio State's offense that's the real matchup, right? And uh, you know, Ohio State's going to create some stuff and they're going to make some plays, but Notre Dame's defense is really what they're built around. So just say that that's going to be it's going to be a wash. It's you know, they're going to make some plays, but so is Notre Dame. They'll hold them I believe, pretty low, uh, below their season average. But who's going to win the other side? If Notre Dame's offense is able to get the better of Ohio State's defense that has struggled, then that could kind of tell the story. But I, I think they cover the 13-and-a-half.
0: USC minus 11-and-a-half at Stanford. That, I think that opens up conference play for SC. You've got Oregon plus 16-and-a-half against Georgia week one in the Georgia Dome. I'll tell you a uh, Moneyline dog that I like, though. I think this one is week two, maybe week three. Miami plus nine at A&M. Ooh. Um,
1: no, I A&M. know that's
0: early on in Cristobal's tenure, but me might like the Hurricanes Hurricanes in uh, Aggieland.
1: Now, this is interesting because you're torn. You say that yeah. Miami is always going to <laughs> suck, right? I didn't say
0: they're always going to – well, it's – okay. Well, We'll revisit that.
1: It, it, are, you, are you thinking with your, your brain here or are you thinking with your heart because you want to see A&M lose so bad that you don't know what to do with yourself?
0: Can you do both?
1: Can you, <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? I
0: think like, so. I wish I could pick one or the other. No, I just think A&M's wide, wildly overrated this year, and I think that we're going to see that early on in the season. I think Miami might go out there and win, man.
1: Nice. Nice. That would, be, that would be big for Chris DeBow, and that would be devastating for Jimbo Fisher and A&M fans. God, what would they do with themselves if they lost that early in the season? Non-con to Miami. i just,
0: just go 7-5 and five the rest of the way like normal. Just all <laughs> business for A&M.
1: All right, quick timeout. Tyler's out there in Emma Rio for the Sooner Caravan. Stop by if you're in the area, if you're out there listening on the app. Stop in, he's got t-shirts. Show him that you've got the app downloaded. You can uh, download it uh, by searching KREF in the app store. Super easy, best way to listen to the show. And uh, get yourself a free t-shirt out there. Keep hitting the text line, 651-3439. We'll be back.
0: Cave is Construction, bringing you hour number two of The Rush on this Tuesday. Live in Amarillo for the OU Coaches Caravan. Someone on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, asking what the exact venue is, Uh, we are in the Amarillo Civic Center Grand Plaza. That's where we are at, and uh, this is set to begin at 6.30. 6.30 through 8.30 is the event tonight. So, yeah, if you're in the area, come by, show me that you have the Ref app, and uh, I'll give you a free Ref t-shirt. It's it's really that simple. So, Ohio State got good news last night, Teddy. They got Dylan Raiola to commit, the five-star quarterback, he is a Nebraska legacy. You played with his dad, Dominic Riolà, in uh, in Detroit. Right. So big time news for Ohio State. I, I guess my question for Ohio State is this: Where would you put them in the tier of college football right now? Number one with Bama and Georgia, or, or are they somewhere else?
1: Um, I would, I would put them. I'd put them on that tier, but just just hanging on the tier, okay. not that's not firmly that's rooted, fair. just right there on the verge. Because of uh, they've won a recent title, they've they've made a championship game with their current head coach. I'll, I'll put them there, but teetering.
0: I, I'm fine with that. Um, and I, I I would feel like most college football fans think that at some point. Ryan Day is going to win a national championship at Ohio State. Maybe he will. I I just got to ask one question about the future of their program. They will continue to put out really good offenses with really good quarterback play. Now, Ryan Day's first year in 2019, they had the number four overall defense in the country. It's pretty good. I mean, he inherited that roster, but that's still pretty good, number four overall defense. But since then, the past two years, man, they've dropped pretty significantly. They had the number 44 overall defense in 2020 and the number 38 overall defense last year. I guess my grand question here is Are we overvaluing Ohio State a little bit in terms of their realistic chance to win a national championship the next three to five years with how they're going about trying to win games right now, which is maybe outscore people more than they ever have in their program's history? No. No? No. Okay. You think they'll win one with Ryan Day?
1: Well, what do you mean? Do I think they'll win one?
0: Like, it's pretty. I mean, give it's a pretty me easy a, question. Do you give think me they're going to win a championship or not? Yeah, the next three to five years.
1: Um, I think they'll be in a national championship game where they're not like where they've got a legitimate chance to win. Now, what happens in that game, I can't tell you, but. I think they'll make a national championship game. I think they'll make a national championship game this coming season. Yeah. That doesn't I... mean they're going to win it. But I think I think in the current situation I think to make a national championship game you you're in that tier. Who has anyone else made a national championship game other than Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia? Since the first one,
0: um, I mean, Oregon made a. You're, that was you're saying the first since one. Then? Yeah, yeah. Um, I has LSU have, has. Oh yeah, LSU. LSU. Has.
1: LSU that's right. Um, you, but you know what I'm saying. I, 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 think I I'm just
0: questioning. Like I, I, I'm not even really even questioning. I'm just wondering. I, because they're conducting their football team maybe in a different manner than they have before, and right. maybe they will win a title. I just. It's interesting that the defensive numbers have dropped so dramatically since he's taken over.
1: Your theory is with Urban Meyer's departure and the hire of Ryan Day, you kept the offensive prowess and you probably even got better offensively because of Ryan Day's willingness to open it up. Urban Meyer is notoriously a heavy personnel, heavy run, heavy quarterback run. Play it fairly safe. Now they have offenses that put up good numbers, there's no doubt, but what you gained offensively, you lost in like his detail-oriented, psychotic, yeah. competitive nature of grinding his players and 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 being a little bit more conservative with with the way he approaches game management, and because of that, can Ryan Day can he win a championship? Or did they lose like that that edge that really had them playing at that type of level on both sides of the ball? And it's a legitimate question. It is. Time I mean, will tell. I,
0: I think that they're an outlier defensively in that group that you just mentioned. You'd admit that they're an outlier defensively. And I, well, you had two other teams there, right? Did you only have uh, Georgia and Bama? I mean, but even if you put Clemson there, I mean, Ohio State is clearly the one that has not played the level of defense and those other teams have in the past couple of years, and I don't I don't know if they're going to moving forward. Hmm. Now, hey, I still think that they're going to rule the Big Ten. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that Michigan's about to overtake them or Penn State or Wisconsin or anyone else. They will continue being the king up north. But even as the text line is saying is, yeah, is Ryan Day, T-B-O-W, but just up north?
1: Um, I mean, maybe he is. Yeah. Number one offense in the country last year in yards per game, 561 by a pretty decent stretch. Um, no one else other than just kind of like some like Kent State type of teams were over 500 yards a game. Um, I don't. I think they're better defensively maybe than than kind of where you expect them to be. Like last year, playing in the Big Ten, they gave up twenty point nine points a game, which is right about exactly what Iowa State gave up. So they're right there. They were top I think they're they're either top 25 or maybe just outside of the top 25, inside the top 30, um, as far as scoring defense. And I don't know, yards per game, they may have gave up uh, way more yards per game, but as far as scoring D, it, it wasn't all that bad for them. Right? Whenever you look at the Big Ten defensively last year, they were, In the Big Ten traditionally plays... Really good defense. It's it's not a higher scoring league like some of the others. Uh, they they only gave up hundred and eighty nine yard or one hundred and eighty nine points in conference play, and that's like that's pretty good for that conference, I think. Like, yeah. It's not terrible is what I'm saying. They're not finishing bottom says, of the barrel.
0: Oh Ohio State lost defense because they don't recruit felons anymore. <laughs>
1: Jeez. Yeah. Well. Now, okay,
0: may, maybe this take or this thought is too m- premature by me on Ryan Day. I'll hear that. that. That's fine. Maybe it is. But I think if – because the expectation for them this year is to win the Big Ten, is to make it to the college football playoff, is to play Alabama in the national championship. And if they don't do those things, if they make it to the playoff and they lose in the first round by giving up a lot of points – I do feel like that narrative is going to be more alive and well a year from now than maybe what I'm leading it it is now. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Big year for him. I'm I'm looking. You know, they they really they got their defense in order. Here, I think here's why the narrative is so bad on them defensively. Okay, right out of the gate, they played the Thursday game last year. Right, you remember that against Minnesota?
0: The. In the- yeah, yeah. If Minnesota's what starting running back doesn't yeah. get hurt, then
1: yeah. who they, knows? They were giving up all those runs. Uh, they won the game 45 31, but that first half, uh, Minnesota was giving it to them. And then the next week, they play Oregon. Another big, I think that was what, the big noon game. Yep. Another national audience, and they lost to Oregon 35 28. So in back to back weeks, they give up over 30 points. But after that, they really settle in defensively. They go on a run. They play really good. They beat Michigan State, who's got a Heisman Trophy candidate back, and they hold them. They beat them fifty-six to seven. Okay, um, obviously they lost to Michigan, gave up points there. That hurt. And then the Utah game that they won, the Rose Bowl. Another like all of their big games that were big nationally watched games, they gave up a ton of points. They gave up forty-five to Utah. Uh, won that game forty-eight forty-five. So, isn't
0: that weird, man? Yeah. Like, how many times in the past could you just say, "Oh, you just line up and run the ball at Ohio State, you can I have know. some success." Yeah. I mean, we remember just big, physical linebackers, man. Every single year, good up front across the D line, but it kind of feels like, man, if you got a good run game, you can uh, you can get some yards on Ohio State now, and that's changed over the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, it, it's you know, you, Michigan. Michigan taking the, the fight to Ohio State, they ran it 41 times for 300 yards and six touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, that's good enough to get your defensive coordinator fired. And they brought in a new guy. I'm interested to see how it goes. That's, that's going to be is, – is one year quick enough to get, get it in and get a, a big-time turnaround? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Well – if if I'm right or if I'm onto something, that's that's pretty big for OU. Now you're not going to be. I mean, there will be times where you recruit head to head against Ohio State, but if Ohio State's not going to get over the hump because of defense, then it does. You know, small makes the field a little bit smaller to win a championship. I guess is what I'm saying. If that's the case, right? It, it, it would be nice if Ohio State is not if they're there every year but not going to be the consistent threat that maybe they've been at times with Urban Meyer.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't know. Fascinating. We'll see how it unfolds. It's going to be a lot of eyes are going to be on that defense. See if they can get it turned around. Though
0: the last time Brent Vittables faced off against Ohio State, Ohio State had quite the day in 2020, man. They were yeah. throwing it over the top all day long. So,
1: Yep, that's right. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll hit some things that caught my eye next. Stay tuned. It is The Rush, live on The Ref,
0: the Homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment, What Caught Teddy's Eyes? We lead in with his favorite band.
1: Story number one is... Very funny. Uh, first of all, quick shout-out to our friends over at Rooftech. Josh Tucker, former teammate of mine, uh, runs the business over there, do a really good job, tons of experience. If you have any roofing issues, leaks, need a roof replacement, give the guys at Rooftech Tech. A call. This sounds like something I'm, I'm guessing maybe you guys did at your wedding, Tyler. Newlyweds in Virginia decided to, uh, to challenge the, the long-standing norm of taking the groom's last name. They decided to flip a coin at the altar to choose <laughs> which last name they were going to accept. Ultimately, the coin landed, uh, resulting in taking the groom's last name which is tradition, and uh, it doesn't look like the, <laughs> the bride was too thrilled about that. But, wow. hey, there's, there's a nice little change-up to things, right? Come on.
0: Yeah. Live a little. Yes, we did, we did do that, Teddy, at our, our wedding right on the beach. Uh, luckily, I, I got to call it in the air. Uh, Tails never fail, so luckily we're the McComas family. All
1: right. There you go. Good job. Tom Brady headed Man. to Fox. Huh? If, uh, if he's done playing and who knows when that's going to be, if he's, if he's actually done or, or what's going to happen. Uh, what do you think about that? Tom Brady going to continue working?
0: Yeah. Well, what was the, it was a 10 year contract that was released, right? For, Mm -hmm. was it over a hundred million dollars? Big money. Um, yeah, it was, um, I'm trying to find out what it was. Uh, it's reportedly worth 375 million over 10 years. What's he doing playing football this year? Just retire and go to the booth three seventy five over ten years. Isn't that crazy? You got crazy? the titles, you got everything. Oh my gosh! Now I think it's going to be awesome. One because it's Tom Brady; he's the goat. And I do think that he's going to prep. He's he's going to give his best effort. He'll be funny. He'll be really really good. But does this guy just not like staying at home? Can he not just do that? He's got a beautiful wife. He's got a big family. He's got all the money in the world. He just can't like stay at home and be a dad and be a husband. He's always got to be doing something.
1: Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, I guess he's a busybody and wants to stay relevant and and stay in it. And my gosh, if someone's beating down your door and going to pay you thirty That's million true. dollars a year to it's true to cover a couple of games, it's that's really hard to turn down, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's that's not a like he's, point. It's
1: not like he's out there begging them <laughs> to hire him for chump change and see if he can work his way up. I mean, uh, you're throwing honey, a-
0: I'll, I'll spend time with you in 10 years. How about that? $375 million, 10 years, I'll make good on that. Then I'll retire. But well, I, 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 hey, I do think he'll be good, by the way.
1: I do too. And it, it's probably one of these things too. You know, he's been playing football where he's he's gone a, a lot. He's, you know, the especially during the season, it's really demanding. And then, you know, there's obviously kids and all of that stuff. Whenever he's retired and hanging around the house, there's probably a, a phase where, hey, this is cool. And then it probably quickly gets back to, yeah, so when are you going to go do something and get out of the house and uh, and get out of my hair and leave me alone? Probably uh, a little bit of that going on as well. Um, Next one is this. I thought this was funny. Rudy Gobert, uh, defensive center for the Jazz, really good player, says that he would lock up Shaq uh, if Shaq was was in his prime. And I'm just laughing at that because everyone – You can almost always – go at someone that played way before you because like everything has changed you know there's there's way better access to to workouts and coaching and everything has progressed a long ways the one thing that has not progressed is guarding a 7 foot 2 300 and I don't even know how much Shaq is still like the biggest human being I've ever seen and Rudy Gobert, there's no one that even comes close to being what Shaq was on the low block. There's no. there's no one else in he hadn't no. ever ever even had to guard an offensive center like that before. He would get his face he he,
0: he would dunk his face. Literally, yes. Rudy Gobert's. And I was about to say, well, Teddy, like maybe nowadays he could lock him up with how ticky tack they call the game. I don't even think now, Teddy. No. Even though, even though they call the game tighter now. uh, uh, Shaq would still dunk it on his face. Now, he might get five fouls in ten trips up the floor, but he would still own Rudy Gobert those ten trips up the floor. I am absolutely convinced of that. So step back, young man. Uh, Realize you're in the presence of greatness with Shaq and show a little respect, please.
1: Totally agree. All right, that's all I've got.
0: Yeah, um, first off, Gavin Freeman, who is a three-star walk-on, He won the 100 meters this past weekend, Teddy. That's right. 10-8-1. You've been high on him. He was a Texas Tech commit. He's going to walk on at OU instead. So they're trying to build up this walk-on program. Pretty good start. If you can get a three-star kid from the OKC area, that's the 100-meter champ in the state of Oklahoma running a 10-8-1. I'll take that.
1: He is fast. Mm. He is quick. He is like totally elusive with the ball in his hands he can catch great he can return kicks I, I he doesn't he's not going to jump off the page at you as far as size he's he's undersized but I, usually whenever you get a guy that that fits what, what like what we're talking about with gavin freeman you, you, you're like a niche uh, wide receiver, okay? Like a third down guy, possession over the middle, works in some open areas of, of, the, of the defense. But I'm just telling you right now, this kid is a stud. He is a stud. I, whenever I, I saw his, his film and some of his highlights, I was blown away with how good he was. He's, he's legit. I think he's gonna. Yeah. I think he is definitely gonna make a mark at OU.
0: Uh, Caesars win totals were released today. Again, I feel like we get these every single week. Uh, Georgia actually has the highest win total at eleven and a half. That probably has to do something with their schedule. Bama and Ohio State both at eleven. Clemson at ten and a half. OU is at nine and a half on their over under. Me um, likes the over quite a bit on nine and a half.
1: Yeah, I do too. I I think it's it's hard to come up with three losses, right? Hard to come up yeah, with three losses. Yeah, I mean,
0: if, if Dylan Gabriel stays healthy, it definitely is. USC was at eight and a half. Oklahoma State was at eight and a half. Texas was at eight and a half. Baylor, people continue to disrespect Baylor. Baylor is all the way down at eight.
1: Wow, yeah. Um, I think Baylor. K-State
0: at five and a half? whoa <laughs> God, ah, need to get some funds together here. Give me
1: Woo. KSU, give me Baylor. Baylor Baylor is scaring me, okay? They're scaring me. We've talked about this. The fact that they told their quarterback last year that took him to a Sugar Bowl, won the Big 12, and I know he didn't play in the Big 12 championship game, but told him to take a hike, he better enter the portal. It tells me that the dude that they got playing uh, quarterback is going to be a stud.
0: And they told him to do that after spring ball, man.
1: After spring that, ball. Like,
0: not even – like. and I know that Dave Aranda probably told him that, given the opportunity to go start somewhere else. I know that. But, man, you get told after spring ball you're not going to be the dude, then there must have been a, a pretty massive gap. Last one, um, according to some sources in Texas, Jordan Addison – The pit wide receiver, at least that I think is going to go to USC, is visiting Austin today. What do you think? Texas got a chance here?
1: I don't know. Um, If Lamborghini offers an NIL deal, then that may be enough to keep someone around. Driving a Lambo around town, that's not too bad. Do you park that in your university housing parking lot, your Lamborghini?
0: Yeah, no, I just think you put it in the model apartment that you're going to show the kid while he's there. Right. Just park it right in the living room.
1: Uh, that's funny. All right, quick timeout. More from the Rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next.
0: Cavens Construction, bringing you hour number three of the Rush. You have some emergency repairs. Cavens can help you out. Check them out, CavensConstruction.com for that. Uh, text line is asking when the ref is going to match the TB12 contract for the TB12 of Oklahoma, which is you. I actually heard that you were going to take less money on your contract to be able to pay your uh, teammates and spread the wealth Tom Brady-like, like you did in New England. Is uh, there any truth to that?
1: Yes. Um, that's what I'll say. Yeah, for whatever reason, the contract negotiations tend to go down, not up, uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's – uh, before long, I'll be paying them to let me uh, stay on air. Good,
0: good. I, I hope that's the case. Kel Gundy <laughs> tweeted out earlier today the uh, Big 12 standings this decade. Tell me if any of these surprise you. Um, OU won't, number one, 73-16 by a wide margin. Oklahoma State has the second-best record at 58-31. and 31. Kansas State third at 52-37. and 37. Baylor fourth at fifty two and thirty-seven, the same as Kansas State. Texas fifth, forty seven and forty two. I gotta admit, I thought Texas was gonna be lower on the list than fifth after the past decade.
1: Right. Yeah, I I I agree with that. And Kansas State did so well at the first half of the decade to put themselves in a good position because they have they've been severely hit or miss. Kansas State has been. No doubt, man. Um, they had a couple of really nice seasons, and then they would go really bad and then bounce back and be a nice team again, which I think Kleiman's done a really good job there, and I think he's going to continue to do well. But, you know, I think Kansas State is one of those teams that the NIL situation, that's not going to help a Kansas State. That's going to hurt them. Like They used to kind of – feed on the transfer stuff, junior colleges, other guys transferring out, and get some really good players that way. The current state of the portal and the NIL situation is, that is not a good sign for KSU's model.
0: No, it's not. Uh, Kansas, or excuse me, Iowa State was eighth at 31-58, and 58, just one game ahead of Tech at 30-59. and 59. Does that change your mind a little bit on Matt Campbell's resume? Or is that more of, well, they were just so god-awful when he got there. It's no surprise that they're still all the way back at eight after Matt Campbell.
1: No, yeah, it's no surprise. They were god-awful when he took over. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still think he's done a really good job there. This year's going to be a big test, though. That big core of guys is gone. Can he get the same type of play uh, that they're used to up there? Pressure's going to be on. Which is strange to say at Iowa State. All right, quick time out. Final hour of the rush is next. Rush is back. Final hour. Teddy Lehman here. Tyler McComa, separate locations. Tyler's out in Amarillo, Texas today for the Sooner Caravan. I'm still hanging out here in Norman. Six five one three four three nine, Air Comfort Solutions text line. And. The more I think about it, Tyler, over the break, the more I'm kind of shocked by the nine and a half win total for Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty shocked by that. The last time they didn't cover that would be all the way back. 2014. Yeah, all the way back to 2014. That's a long time, and. I know in that a couple we, of
0: those years, Teddy have had maybe two of the worst defenses in school history and they've still covered that easily in those years.
1: Right. Yeah. That that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm getting at here is I'm shocked that like 10. Okay. I understand 10, but I don't know. I, it, it's going to be really hard for me to find more than two losses on the schedule and we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I think we've – it's kind of hard to tell how good this team is going to be. I think – it's hard to tell what their ceiling is going to be. Yeah. But their baseline, I feel like, is going to be really solid. I think their baseline is going to be every bit of what it was last year most likely better than what it was last year. Now, and I – go ahead.
0: I just, in the grand scheme of things, I don't really think anything's changed all that much. I mean, there's been some major details that have, but one thing that hasn't changed that really matters with me is OU's still the best program in the Big 12. They didn't have the best team last year, at least they didn't have the team that won the Big 12 championship, but they still have the best program. And it's going to take a lot more than not winning it just one year. For that to change. They'll be a favorite they'll be a favorite in every single game, man. So having a nine and a half over under is really odd to me when they're gonna be a Vegas favorite to win every single game. Right. It just doesn't it it, it doesn't it didn't add up to me. Do they have the best talent in the conference? I think so. Do they have the best coaching staff in the conference? I mean I, I think so, but that's yet to be seen. I think that's fair to say. But I think they have the best talent, and I think that we all kind of predict this team to get a lot better throughout the season. So if they're starting in a great place, and I think that they're only going to get better, I, for the life of me, I don't understand the nine and a half. I mean, it it is interesting to me. It makes me want to fire the over on it, and I can tell you that
1: much. Well, I think if you look at it, if you just step back and look at it, because... The the national riders will have you believe that the amount of talent coming off of OU's team is it, it's drastic. You've got two five-star quarterbacks that are leaving, which OU gets hammered for that, but I don't know if they realize that you can't play two five-star quarterbacks at the same time, okay? Right. So, it, like, you get hammered for losing both guys, but, you know, that really doesn't, it really doesn't matter in, in my opinion. But, okay, so you lose two five-star quarterbacks. Um, you lose some talent off of offense uh, to the transfer portal. You graduate a couple of guys. Defensively, you lose a couple of guys. You, what, you lose one guy to the transfer portal. You lose a couple of guys – To the NFL draft. But in the grand scheme of things. Okay. So quarterback. Caleb Williams is gone. Dylan Gabriel is here. Talent wise. Do we come out. Below. Negative on the talent curve. With that exchange. Yes. I think we do. But. The talent curve. Isn't everything. Dylan Gabriel, I think, is a more solid player right away and will probably have better numbers than Caleb Williams will next year. I
0: agree. Yeah, I agree with all that.
1: that. If he doesn't, I think they'll be close, okay? So, running back. Kennedy Brooks, excellent running back. We know how productive he was. I still believe, though, that the running back group has a chance to be, as a group, quite a bit better than what it was last year. I agree. Offensive line. I think offensive line has a chance to be at least as good as they were last year, probably quite a bit better. Agree. Wide receiver, you've lost some talent, but... When you look at wide receiver, with some of the young guys that have started to develop, some of the injured guys that have made their way back, call it a wash if you'd like, I tend to think that we may be better at wide receiver than we were a year ago. I think
0: they might be dramatically better than they were a year ago. Now, that's the talent that's there, but that's also the situation around that you just mentioned. I think that that's a heavy factor, too.
1: Well, uh, compared to last year, you've basically... You Hazelwood is gone, but you gained Theo Weiss, who really wasn't there last year. Um, Mims is still here, and you've added Jalil Farouk to the mix, and you know um, a six-five wide receiver as well. So yeah, uh, probably better. But for argument's sake, we'll say it's a wash. So offensively, I think you come away looking better than what you did last year. Now, uh, will Dylan Gabriel have the ability to save your bacon from some really bad situations created by the inability to run the ball, inability to, you know, uh, complete it on third down, uh, just to be able to tuck it and go make some plays like he did a year ago to, to give you a chance to beat Kansas and Nebraska, Texas, obviously, Probably not, but I think the level of play that you're going to get from him is going to be way more consistent, way better across the board than what we had from Caleb Williams last year. Not talking about Caleb Williams this coming year, but the quarterback play we got last year, I expect Dylan Gabriel to be quite a bit better than that, which leaves me with saying –
0: He'll he'll throw the deep ball a lot better. Um, I think that that's a major plus. So, I mean – there's some other areas I can go. I, yes, Caleb Williams has a bigger upside for sure, but the better situation now is, right. I, I think, a guy like Dylan Gabriel.
1: So, offensively, I say, with, with all the things that we discussed, plus a, a new offense coming to a conference, because like, I feel like whether whether this is true or not, I don't know, but I feel like this conference – had cotton up to Lincoln Riley quite a bit with what he does offensively. Of
0: course they did. We made the rush three drop eight jokes, and teams were running that last year. I right. mean, look at the final games of the season. They, they, Okay, whether they were ready to hold them to 10 points per game or not, like I don't know if that's true, but really about to bottle up OU more than they had, yes, I think that that's an accurate statement.
1: Right. Now, I expect Lincoln Riley to get a boost offensively in a new conference, just like I expect owe you to get a boost offensively from a a new scheme, right, in a conference that's not used to defending it. So all of that said, I think our numbers-wise against the common opponents we had last year were going to be better offensively. Now you flip to the defensive side, and defensively, everyone's going to throw – you lost uh, Benito, you lost Isaiah Thomas, you lost – uh, Perry on Winfrey. The meat and potatoes are your defensive line, your sacks, your tackles for loss. Okay. I agree with that. But we didn't lose Tommy Harris and Dan Cody. And you know what I'm saying? We lost a a second round pick, the last pick of the second round in Benito. Um a third round backer in Brian Osamo, and I don't mean to say this to disparage but those guys. Teddy. I mean that's what I'm saying.
0: They are. Everyone I mean, everyone to a point is replaceable and and those guys are. Especially you can replace their overall production of what they had last year, too.
1: Yeah. That's that's the point. I'm saying like it, we didn't lose Gerald McCoy off of the defensive line. We lost Perrion Winfrey, which I like Perry on Winfrey. I think he has a chance to be a really good pro, but the fact of the matter is on Winfrey post-OU has been better than Perrion Winfrey at OU.
0: Sure, yeah. Hey, um, real quick, I-, I was reading an article yesterday um, kind of on the lines of the same topic. It's, well, here's our you know main concerns with the college football playoff contenders out there. And OU was listed as one of the 11 teams, But the reasoning or, like, their biggest worry is, okay, well, OU's identity under Brent Venables, what's it going to be? And I get why they would ask that question. All right, you got a defensive mind, and you've got someone who wants to go really fast offensively. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I mean, I have an idea, but I'm not just sitting – I'm not one of the ones that is really afraid or really worried about what the identity is going to look like um, with with a really good offense. Again, at every single place that he's been – He's been successful. Those places have some of their best teams. But also, man, he's, he's been a defensive coordinator with some dominating offenses. They were just fine at Kansas State in 1998 when Michael Bishop was running around the field, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just fine at Oklahoma in, in 04 when he was a defensive coordinator. In 08 when he was a defensive coordinator. And when he was the co-seat uh, DC with well, all those great offenses before. In 03 before. You, had,
1: you had like one of the number one defenses in the country while you had the Heisman Trophy winner.
0: Clemson. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence were his two quarterbacks. So, in fact, and this is in no way to diminish Brent Venables, but he's kind of needed those elite offenses when he's been there to vault him to a national championship.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All this to say that I don't think anyone's expectations for OU should change in a negative fashion this coming season compared to what we've seen in the past couple. If anything, I think you should have possibly higher expectations. There are some unknowns, right? There are unknowns, but just personnel wise, whenever you include it in, in the schemes and what we know of these schemes and the success that these schemes have had on a national level, then I don't think you should be lowering your expectations at all for Oklahoma. No. Not one bit.
0: No, because, again, I, I project this team to get a lot better as the season goes on. Text line says, deep ball? Did you see DG's first pass in the spring game? Yes, I did. It was uh, not the best deep ball, though the wind was howling, and um, I've seen more than one deep ball from Dylan Gabriel. I am, yes, I am. I will go ahead and predict that the deep ball is going to be more of a threat than it was a year ago. Yeah, it will so be. So I stand by that comment.
1: It will be. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It will be. It's – yeah, that wasn't a good one. Was that like a – what did they have on that – something happened on that play. Was it a um, – there was some type of it penalty. Was... It was... Oh, it was like a hands to the face or hands something like that. Hands to the
0: face is what it was on the offensive line. Yeah, but that win was pretty gnarly, um, especially on that throw, and it knocked it down for sure. But, yes, I won't – I will not judge him based on the first pass in the spring game. I promise.
1: Well, hey, I I don't I don't need to. I just I know the offense and I know I know how Lebby wants to call things and he loves to take shots. And it's gonna be a work in progress. You obviously have to build that and develop the chemistry between coach, quarterback, wide receiver on when exactly you're gonna do it, who you can dial it up to. Uh, who's your best deep ball guy? I mean, there's a lot there. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I, I I, feel very confident that the deep ball is going to be a weapon.
0: All right. Well, to answer this article here, what's OU's identity going to be? I guess just it, it's going to differ maybe on both sides of the ball. But what's overall, what's the identity going to be? Detail-oriented?
1: Well, I think the identity is going to be exactly what Brent Venables told you it was going to be at his introductory press conference, right? is um, like they're going to be... Uh, Fast,
0: a, physical, punishing, relentless defense. Or, is yep. that what he said? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what it was.
1: I, I think they're going to be really sound defensively. They're going to be really multiple defensively. And on offense, they are going to overwhelm you with running game, tempo, and whenever you feel like it's caving in on you and you start to add guys to the box, they're going to expose you with matchups down the field. Now, how, what, how do you want to say that? what that is identity-wise? I don't know, but whenever we look at it at the end of the year, we're, they're going to hang their hat on running the ball in defense. Yeah. Yeah, I think
0: that's accurate. Uh, by the way, when's, when's this J.J. Hester kid just going to call it OU?
1: I don't know. I was hearing I some
0: scuttlebutt that it could be last night, but it has not happened uh, as of yet. But it sounds like he's going to be the next addition via the transfer portal.
1: Wow. How about that, Booker T?
0: Yeah. Got to love it. Hey, I I like it. And it sounds like um, if and when J.J. Hester picks OU, former four-star receiver out of Booker T at Mizzou last year, that might signify the end of OU in the portal, at least obviously for this offseason.
1: Yeah, just because of – um, I think scholarship
0: numbers. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, does this doesn't look like there's anyone in the portal outside those two guys that you may be super interested in at this point, other than Jordan Addison. But I, that is, that's not a, that's not a thing. That's not going to happen with OU.
1: Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, I agree, and I think uh, I think you're probably right uh, portal wise because of the scholarship limitation, but you never know whenever some of those could open up. Uh, we are ending the, uh, getting close to ending the academic year and you could find out some things. Sometimes you just never know. All right, quick timeout more from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Stay tuned.
0: Final hour of the rush. People are starting to file into the OU coaches caravan here in Amarillo, Teddy. The Boy City crew just showed up here, so I think we got someone else. You got the Ref App on your phone? The ref app? Scan the scan this right here. Get the app on your phone. I'll get you a free Ref T-shirt. We got a lot of people filing in, Teddy, as uh, as like you can that. tell. So during this process here, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you something. I guess Caleb Williams was on a podcast recently, and. Um, he said this about the the quarterback battle last year. Of course, let me, let me pull it up here. Basically, it was um, it was a hard experience for him last year to have to sit behind uh, Spencer Rattler, and he wasn't really sure how to handle it. So, sounds like the old guy had a tough time battling through not being the uh, being the guy last season. So, clearly, I know that we all feel really sorry for him. The direct quote actually was. I mean, I was fighting every day. I hated it because it was just like, I'm not even getting a shot right now. How, how dare Lincoln not give uh, the guy a shot after the returning quarterback won a conference championship in a New Year's Six Bowl game?
1: Well, I don't know. I, I guess... I guess maybe he should have. I don't know. Frankly, I think the pulling Radler out I and I know I'm I'm pretty much the lone wolf with this take but I think Radler would have been way better late in the season than Caleb Williams was now
0: you are the lone wolf on that one by the way just to uh, let you know
1: no I know now here's the thing I think that one of the big – it would have been really difficult to ever get Spencer Rattler – get his confidence back after what had happened. So, i if he would have got the start against Baylor, do I think the result would have been different? No, because I think his confidence was, was already shot. But had things played all the way through, I think he would have been the better overall quarterback last year.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you this. I think, regardless of who it was going to be, they, like, I think the result would have been the same. I don't think that they were going to make a, a conference championship game.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. I think that they, I think they could have beat Oklahoma State. And,. Spencer Rattler is, in my opinion, a better thrower of the football than Caleb Williams. I think, uh, as we never heard anyone say, it just looks different coming out of the hands of uh, Caleb Williams, but we heard that about Rattler. Yeah. I, I think he's I think he's better in the pocket. I think he's better with his eyes downfield. And I don't think, and it's probably an experience thing, I don't think he's as... Um, totally thrown off his game whenever someone drops into big zone coverage. I think he's okay dumping it down, taking the the easy completion and moving the ball down the field. Um, so I think he would have been better against Oklahoma State, and I think he probably would have won that game. But, again, I say that if he was the quarterback all the way through, not if he was just given a start or given the opportunity in that game because I think whenever that – switch happened and he was pulled and we had the chance and all of that stuff. I think that, I think he was, I think he was mentally done at that point.
0: Yeah. Text line, uh, at least one person agrees with you. I agree with Teddy. They lose to Texas and then they, uh, and and then they went out after that. Um, It's hard for me to believe. I mean, obviously Caleb didn't beat Baylor. It's hard for me to believe Caleb
1: didn't even beat Texas. They're going to beat Baylor. What's that? Caleb didn't even beat Texas. Now, hmm. I I know that you Marvin Mims did. Well, well, yeah, yes, I am, and you know Caleb had the great run on the fourth down, which you you can't take that stuff away from him. But there are way more happened in that game than just one guy showing up and taking over. I mean, that is that is not what I witnessed. Yeah, they
0: that. they actually had a pretty good running play that day, Teddy. that uh went for the game-winning touchdown. They ran it twice or they ran it three times, scored a touchdown on it twice. Had a big gain the first time they ran it and they never ran it again for the rest of the year. He's saving it for USC. That play is what he's doing, I'm sure.
1: Well, yeah. Holding
0: back, it worked so well. It's like, "Oh god, I got to save that for next year in LA." You he's had showing that. you had
1: that. You had a special teams play that gave you the ball inside the 20. You had a Kennedy Brooks really long run. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went on in that comeback win against Texas. It wasn't just Caleb Williams. Now he gave them a spark. He lit the lit the fuse on the thing. I will agree with that. But um, yeah, I I, I just I think that Spencer Rattler would have been the better quarterback throughout the duration of the of the year last year. Probably, yeah, would not have won that game against Texas, but I don't know if Caleb Williams wins that game against Texas. Yeah. Nine out of ten, you know. That, I think By the that, way, that thing just happened.
0: Could you tell how hard I was <laughs> multitasking there for about yeah. eight minutes, giving out T-shirt? Yeah,
1: no problem. Yeah, they don't care that I you're ain't... doing live radio. That's fine though, right? <laughs> no, I
0: wanted that T-shirt, man. No, it's it's cool though. There's a lot of people filing in here and. Uh, a lot of people wanted a T-shirt, man, showing me that they had the uh, the app, Boy City Crew. Some people didn't have the app. They just downloaded it. So it's cool. No, no, uh, no problem at all. There's a lot of excitement around here. Um, you know, the more – not that I was down on it yesterday, but the more I think about this Davis-Bevel um, edition, the better I feel about it, especially for a backup quarterback role. I mean, God, Teddy, we are talking about the last time that he played a game He did exactly what you need him to do this year, but he did it in a New Year's Six game where he went 14 of 18 for 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Like, literally what you were looking for in the transfer portal, you found that guy that has done it in a big-time bowl game against a good defense. So, I mean, maybe some people would have preferred Gary Bohannon, and I may be in that camp, but... I think that's pretty good. you find the guy that's done exactly that the last time he played. I'll take it.
1: I think I think Gary Bohannon would have been a better backup quarterback for this coming season perhaps, but you get no benefit of any long-term upside. You know what I'm yeah. saying and with with the Bevel kid you get the chance of, hey, solid backup, good thrower of the football. And you may find you may find something that hey this kid's got something to him and you never know what could happen so yeah yeah
0: yeah um, and we think that they're going to get another wide receiver via the portal uh, maybe as early as this evening and I think it's going to be J.J. Hester the former four star out of Booker T so you're going to uh, lock up your two additions via the portal um, so that's that's nice. Uh, overall, your feelings about the quarterback room, I I feel pretty good of where they sit today. You've got, you know, one of the more accomplished quarterbacks in college football. Outside of what C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, this guy can kind of match up with anybody on what he's done. You've got a backup quarterback that's played in a New Year's Six Bowl game. And you have a former four-star quarterback or an incoming four-star quarterback. So it's not not all bad right now in the quarterback room.
1: Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. Now, I want Dylan Gabriel to stay healthy, and no one else. Well, have yes, to of course, yes, mean, th- yes. That's the thing. I feel good about that, and I don't, th- I don't feel like anyone in the backup role is good enough to, um, to take over. You know, midway through the season, and go win a, a. Semi-final. I, you know, right. I, I don't feel that good about it, but I feel like adequate if you lose Gabriel for a half or a game, uh, depending on what game it is, I feel like we're, we're going to be in a good position to, to be able to, to get past that. Now, all that being said, that it's going to have to come from – like the running game, and this is Dylan Gabriel included – I'll tell you how I feel about the quarterbacks whenever I see how good the running game is going to be. I, yeah, I my agree. hunch is that it, I, I think it's going to be really good, but that's really – that goes back to Baker, that goes to Kyler, that goes to Jalen Hurts. When OU's running game is really good, the quarterback play gets exponentially better, and sure. that will hey, be what, what no tech- difference now.
0: One quick text, Lance says, Tyler, how do those T-shirts look? I printed those with love. Lance, they look great, and uh, there's a lot of people here that want them. So Nicely you did a done. Job with that. Thank you. i got to give out more T-shirts this, uh, this break, so I'll be, I'll be back.
1: <laughs> Nicely done. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. A couple of segments left. Tyler's out there in Amarillo, Texas for the Suter Caravan. I'm hanging out in studio. Hit us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 651-3439.
0: Final hour of the rush, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We are the Homeless Sooner fans, live at the OU Coaches Caravan in Amarillo, where the party is getting started here out in West Texas. Brent Venable's gonna be here. Ginny is gonna be here. Porter Moser is going to be here as well. Uh, we did not get any you know backhanded remarks from Brent Venables at the uh, at the Tulsa caravan. Huh. Do you think West Texas? Maybe. maybe gets the uh, first interesting comment at the caravan, a la Bob Stoop style.
1: Um, I doubt it. I don't feel like, I don't feel like there's, I, whenever coach Stoops, he was asked at the caravan about some of the SEC stuff that had really been, you know, kind of targeted towards OU, if I remember correctly. And really all Bob said is, hey, you know, they, they're they not all Alabama. They've got some some teams down that aren't winning a bunch of games in their conference, too. Uh, you know, our record's been pretty good against SEC teams. I, I don't feel like there's any real – well, I was about to say, I don't think there's any real like beef going on out there, including Oklahoma. I guess like, the only one that you could – Say would maybe be through Lincoln Riley, and I don't think you're going to hear Venable say anything disparaging yeah. about Lincoln Riley. I, I, I just I don't. So my guess would be probably not. Like he's yeah, not going to go out of his way to be... forward. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, I mean, there everything is so detail oriented. We've talked about that. There's nothing really. There's nothing really to gain by bringing it up. Like, some people are going to be like, yeah, I knew I loved But he doesn't need to say that for people to love him. You know what I mean? So, now, he's, he's he's looking forward. To it. Yeah, I, I agree. That ain't going to happen. Now,
1: he may say something about the NIL stuff and people tampering. And and I don't think that this is just a USC issue. I think it's it's a lot of the teams with the big NIL collectives and the You know, and it's not necessarily the coaching staffs that are doing it. It's the people in charge of the collectives can or have felt like they have the ability to kind of go out and start throwing offers around to people. So he may say something about that and how that needs to change and that needs to be reined in.
0: Sure. You know, um, what was it? A couple of years ago going into the season, it felt like – And I don't know if someone said this or it was just a thought or, you know, if we had talked to people, but season ticket sales were kind of down um, compared to what they had been in the past. Then the SEC move was announced, and it kind of seems like they picked back up a little bit. I haven't asked anyone. Um, I could venture a guess that season ticket sales are are, are okay right now. But I got to think that they're pretty good right now, or at least a lot better than they were two years ago with Brent Venables taking over and that move to the SEC looming, or have you heard otherwise?
1: Um, I have not heard otherwise. Uh, it is of my belief right now, and maybe this changes, but it is of my belief right now that – and I did not think this was going to be the case. But I, I feel like now – It feels more like OU and Texas are going to be here to the end of the contract.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, that could be the case. We kind of Uh, heard. Didn't
1: Texas's AD just say that recently as well?
0: Yeah. um, In terms of season tickets, though, like I got to think season ticket sales are going well if seventy-five thousand show up to the spring game. I and maybe you. Maybe some don't think that's a direct correlation, but I kind of do. Like, if you had the largest spring game attendance ever, which it wasn't free, by the way, you did have to pay. You didn't have to pay season ticket prices, but you still had to pay. I feel like there is a correlation to that and how ticket sales are going.
1: Yeah. I think there's, uh, we've heard from anecdotally from people out there who have kept their season tickets whenever they didn't really maybe want to because of the the Big 12 schedule and everything, but kept him because they still want to be able to have access to him whenever the SEC move is made. Now, I don't know that that's a big group of people, but I know that that, that conversation has happened. And I'll also say that, you know, the I think you're getting a new coaching staff bump too. And you mentioned that, the the turnout for the spring game. I think that bump is going to be real, whether it's season ticket sales or just ticket sales in general. I don't think there's going to be worry unless you lose some games and don't look good. But if you go out and play football the way I expect them to, I don't think you're going to have to worry about selling tickets at all.
0: Text line says Amarillo is North Texas. Huh. Yeah. Well, it is North, but it's also West. Is it Northwest Texas? I feel like everyone's always referred to it as West Texas.
1: Yeah, uh, that is interesting because, hell, Amarillo may be north of Oklahoma City, actually. I
0: think it is. I think, uh, let me check It's definitely north of
1: Norman, right?
0: Amarillo. uh, Actually, it's a little south, just a little bit bit south of OKC.
1: Okay. Not much, though. A little south of OKC, but probably... North of Norman, where I sit right now, uh, but very close. Yeah, I'd, Northwest, maybe. But you gotta call it North if it's, you know, I don't know, 150 miles north of Dallas. <laughs> I,
0: I just call it West. Do we have to complicate? We already do this with the state of Oklahoma all the time. Was well, it in the South? Is it the Midwest? Is it the Southwest? I, don't, I feel like this entire region no one knows exactly what it's you know what it's called or where it is.
1: Well the other thing is like El Paso like Albuquerque is in it's in the middle of New Mexico, but it's actually west of the middle of New Mexico. And it's about even with El Paso, Texas. So really, you could say that Dallas is East Texas. Really, like the, like right down the middle is like Abilene, Texas. Is really like Central Texas. You know, what it's mean? how big the state of Texas is, man. It's huge. All right,
0: fair point, text line. I'll just call it the Panhandle of Texas. There you that, go. That that simplifies simplifies it enough. Yes, that's right. Uh, also, you mentioned El Paso. Uh, did you know El Paso is further west than Denver is? Did you know that?
1: Uh, I did not know that. Really, the only thing yeah. I know about El Paso is that's where Pace Pecani Sauce is made.
0: And um, you had one of the worst nights of your life there in, in uh, 2012. Yeah. Also remember that. Or at least yeah. I want you to remember that.
1: Not It was really both night and morning. It was all the same thing. Right? Oh, just... did
0: you have to drive back? You had to drive back from that OU-UTEP game, didn't you?
1: No. We, we got off air at like, 3 Mm a.m. and had to catch a 6 a.m. flight. Oh, yikes. So we stopped back. We stopped by the hotel, kind of like sat down, laid down for a minute, uh, watched like some ESPN reruns, and then left. What a trip. And what a
0: game it was. I think OU was up a touchdown in the fourth quarter on UTEP that night. UTEP was just gashing the OU defense. Brutal. That's a a forgettable game.
1: Brutal. Blocked a punt, I think, in that game, too, maybe. Yeah, it was wild. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll come back and wrap up the day. Tyler's out there at Amarillo. I'm hanging out in studio. One last opportunity on the text line, 651-3439.
0: Alright, final segment of the day as we wrap it up live on the ref. It is the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, live at the OU Coaches Caravan in Amarillo. Appreciate all of our West all of our ref listeners out in the panhandle of Texas. Not West Texas. I've been correct. The Panhandle of Texas and Oklahoma for coming by and saying hello. We do have some uh random uh, kind of geography tips here on the text line okay. if you'd like to hit that. Yeah. Um, I love this geography. one says this one's cool. Amarillo is closer to six state capitals than its own.
1: Ah, that is a good one. Huh. Topeka, Oklahoma City, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Denver, Colorado. How many did I name there?
0: Uh, Four. Oklahoma City. Did you say that one?
1: Oklahoma City, Topeka, Denver, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, What else could it be? Huh. Huh. Why? No? I don't know. Interesting. Hmm. That's
0: cool. Well, hit, hit, us, hit us back, please, uh, on the answers to that. El Paso is closer to Los Angeles than El Paso is to Houston.
1: Wow. That's crazy.
0: I've heard that one before.
1: Yeah. That's wild. It's also uh, probably closer to Mexico City than it is Dallas. Uh,
0: yeah, I would probably uh, <laughs> I'd probably agree with that. Tyler and Teddy, I think Levy's offense will be way better for Dylan Gabriel than Williams uh, will. I think our team will be better on the road because of BV, thanks to Curtis B. You buy into that? Oh, you'll be a better road team with Brent Venables? Uh,
1: yes, I think so. I think uh, I think our defense is is going to be better. I I don't know when we pass the threshold of being better defensively. Uh, does it happen next season? Does it happen four games yes. into next season? Does it happen before we even kick the ball off to start the season? I think we will be better defensively, and I think there's I think we're going to be better running the ball than we've been the last couple of years. Now we were excellent running the football. Uh, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Excellent. I think we'll be back closer to some of those type of numbers next year.
0: Kurt's geography lesson, he says, if you want the technical terminology, it's actually known as Eastern New Mexico by most Texans. Talking about Amarillo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. just want to donate it to either uh, Oklahoma or New Mexico, huh? Fascinating. Well,
0: they're they're tougher out here than any other part of the state. I could tell you that um, Amarillo is what Dallas thinks it is in terms of yeah, uh, tough people. That's
1: exactly right. They they paint themselves in Dallas as Amarillo, but what they actually are is I don't know something closer to like Southern California or I don't even know. I you can't even really compare it to anything else. It's absurd.
0: Um, I don't know if people are starting to mess with us. We need to fact check some of these. It takes longer to travel from El Paso to Texarkana than it does from Texarkana to Chicago, Illinois.
1: I would believe that. I would believe that.
0: So basically what we've learned today is it's easier to get from anywhere else in the country to El Paso than it is to El Paso to Houston. I've got That's one. what we've learned today.
1: I've got one more for you. It takes – you can get to Texarkana to El Paso in a shorter time than you can get from I-35 to the east side of Norman. <laughs> I was,
0: I was going to make that same joke, but uh, with OU to Dallas on the Friday of OU Texas, so you kind of <laughs> beat me to it. Nice job.
1: Yeah, uh, brutal stuff. Uh, anything else on the text line, Tyler, before we get Uh, out of here? Yeah,
0: just, just, just a bunch, I mean, just people all over the, uh, I didn't know Amarillo and where it's at on the map was such a hot topic. We could have spent four hours today talking about Amarillo and (laughs) what it's uh, technically called. Eastern New Mexico by some, the panhandle of Texas by others. No, that's, uh, but it it is cool, man. They got this double A ballpark down here. They spent millions of dollars on. It's got a cool area down here. Um, we've got a ton of fans filing in, man. Um, The representation out here is is pretty strong, and I think that this just kind of shows the excitement, man, that, you know, you can go to Amarillo, what, four hours away from Norman, and you can get a packed house because the excitement around this program is is that high right now. I I think, I I don't know, I, I just think at every single turn, whether it's these caravans or whether it's the spring game, We are seeing that the excitement is as high as it's been in quite some time.
1: No doubt. Oh, hey, uh, by the way, Norman North boys uh, took 6A state. They had a a playoff with Edmund North and got it done. Congratulations to the Norman North boys. State champs in golf. That's awesome. Nice job. All right, that's it for us. We will see you guys tomorrow. You killed it on the text line. You guys drive the show. We're just along for the ride. Thank you to Pacifico. Go have a cold one.